Father, thank you for your goodness. We just thank you for how you are just, just crazy about us, Father. You love us so much, and you've proved that over and over and over again. And we're just so, for, so grateful for that. We're so grateful for you. And I just thank you for teaching us this morning, encouraging us, challenging us, equipping us so we can continue to partner with you to see your kingdom advance. So we thank you for this time, and Holy Spirit, we invite you to be our teacher today. We invite you. We open up our hearts. The, our, the soul of our heart is, is very fertile and very soft and pliable and ready to receive the implanted word that will save our souls, that will make us more like Jesus. So we open our hearts to you, Father, and we say yes, and we thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to continue money talks, money talk number four. And today we're going to talk about, I'm going to share some thoughts on giving. We're going to talk about giving. And you know, it's interesting, as, as I've been sharing this series about money, and as I shared with you before, a long time ago, well, a long time ago, a while ago, that, um, the thought of sharing and talking about money or teaching or whatever you call it, I was not thrilled about, I was intimidated by it, I was afraid of it, but something has shifted in me, and I am... I'm excited. And even this morning, you know, as I've been preparing and working on what I feel the Lord has for us this morning, I woke up this morning with that excitement and anticipation, just that fire, you know, like, kind of like when you wake up and it's Christmas morning and you know there's some good stuff out in the living room waiting for you. You know that kind of excitement? That's how I felt this morning. That's how I feel this morning. And, and my, my perspective is changing. And just like Lisa was, was sharing this morning, how God wants our perspective. God wants our perspective to change the way we see things. He wants us to see things through his lens. And I think when it comes to giving, we talk about tithes and offerings and giving and everything. A lot, so often we see things through our lens, our perspective, and it scares us. We're intimidated. We want to, no, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want anything to do with that. If you look on the internet, it'll, it's so confusing because there's so many opinions on giving on tithing. And it's so confusing. It's so confusing. It's so crazy. But I realize that God wants us to see things, especially when it comes to his word, his principles. He wants us to see them through a kingdom lens. He wants us to see them through the lens of us being his sons and daughters. Because there's an invitation. He's inviting us into an invitation. He's not trying to extract and get things from us, but he wants to impart and bless us. And then when, it, when you come to the topic of tithing, giving everything, all of a sudden we get nervous, we get tense, we pull our wallets closer to us and our purses, we zip them shut. It's like, you ain't getting no offerings out of me. You know, we, we get all worried and all confused and everything. And I used to, there was a time when I saw it that way, when, when they were talking about offerings and everything, I started getting nervous and everything. But my perspective is changing wonderfully. And I'm excited, excited. Matter of fact, one of my, my new declarations has become that I am becoming more and more excited about giving and giving more and more and more. I want to be the type of person, I'm not necessarily, I know there are people that are graced with the gift of giving. They're, you know, they have a supernatural grace to give, just like there are people who have an administrative gift or they have a prophetic gift and, you know, different gifts of the Spirit. And I believe there is a gift of giving, that some people have that. And I don't necessarily have that, but I want to give more. And I get motivated when I'm around people that give, people that are givers. 
I get inspired and motivated by them. And it's like, I want that kind of heart. I want to give more. And so, and I know that, that it doesn't just mean getting out your checkbook, opening wallet, and just start giving. Because you have to position yourself in such a way so that you can do that. And you have to take care of your finances like we talked about last time, about establishing a plan with your money, a budget, and all that kind of stuff. And if you weren't here two weeks ago, I would encourage you to listen to that on the, on the podcast and everything. So I'm not going to get into all the budgeting stuff. But it, that is an important part especially when we're concerning giving. Okay. So the challenge is this can seem, talking about this topic is challenging to me because it can seem to you very self-serving. In other words, we're talking about tithes, offerings. We're talking about giving, for example, giving to the church that I happen to work for. So it can seem like, okay, you guys need to do this so that I'm blessed. It's all about me. And that's been one of my hesitations as I don't want to talk about this. Someone else needs to talk about this because this can seem very self-serving. But I'm not seeing it that way anymore. It's an invitation to some crazy, amazing things that God wants to do. Remember, we serve a God of miracles. We just sing about that, right? And he is wanting to remember, he said, Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way. So in other words, there's a way that he wants us to let our light shine before men. He says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify him. He wants to show off through you in a way of saying. He wants to show off through you. He wants to do crazy, amazing things through you so people see what's going on and they glorify him. He's a God of miracles, and he's inviting us to partner with him. So even though this may seem very self-serving, a very self-serving message, the purpose is to help us position ourselves to receive more money, wealth, and resources. Remember, we're talking about us all positioning ourselves in a way to receive more of what God has for us concerning finances so that his kingdom can be established on the earth, so that people can be ministered to more effectively, so missionaries can go uninhibitedly to where they're called to go with the resources they need to preach the gospel. Am I making sense? Have I lost you yet? All right, so giving is a key component to managing, managing well the resources he's entrusted to us. We've talked about the parable of the talents. And we learn from that that the Lord has entrusted certain amount to us. And as we're faithful with what he's entrusted to us, then we can trust and expect that he's going to increase. He says, because you've been faithful with the, what I've given you, I'm going to make you rule over much. And when we're not faithful with what we have, then what we have can be taken away from us. Remember that? So one part, and and I believe a major part of being a faithful steward of the resources he's entrusted to us has to do with giving. Not hoarding it and keeping it to ourselves, but it has to do with giving. Matthew 6, 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or mammon. You cannot serve both God and money. You'll be loyal to the one and hate the other one, but you can't serve both. Some of us try to do that. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 
So God is telling us that we can't serve both God and money. And he's also telling us not to worry about stuff, not to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to sleep. He said, don't worry about that. But he says, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. And then all these things that people spend so much time worrying about, they will be taken care of for us. The world spends, I don't know, how many hours a day either going after or worrying about going after the stuff they need and want. And unfortunately, many Christians do the same thing. I don't know how many hours I've wasted emotionally worrying about money. And I think when you find yourself in that loop of worry, 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 you may not even necessarily consciously be worrying about it, but subconsciously. And we can spend so much emotional power or so much energy or whatever worrying about finances. So instead of being focused on the kingdom assignments that he's called us to do, instead of being focused on, man, I get to reach out to people, I get to encourage, I get to look for opportunities to make an impact in someone's life. But if I'm focused on, man, where's my next meal going to come from? How am I going to pay for my electric bill? How am I going to do this? I don't have enough money. How am I going to get, if I'm worried about that, then I'm not even focused on his kingdom. And so without realizing it, we can find ourselves serving mammon. If that's what we're giving our our homage to, if if that's what I'm giving my emotional energy to, then I'm serving it. And I believe he has created a simple, not easy necessarily, but a simple and practical way for us to do this. For us to put his kingdom first, and then he takes care of our needs. So that we don't have to worry about all these things that we need. Shelter is important. Clothing is important. Please wear clothes. It's important. Transportation is important. Food is important. So it's not that, oh, don't worry about that. That's not even needful. You don't even need that. Just come after me. He says, no, come after me. Take care of my kingdom. These things will be taken care of for you. So he has established a very practical and simple way for us to do this. Now, here's something that he showed me recently that just blew me away. A passage that I never saw as far as a powerful passage on giving. Never saw this until recently. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 10. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Okay, that's the first part. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, how many of us can say that when it comes to finances, I too often lean on my own understanding? And that's our problem. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Being wise in our own eyes. Okay, I don't like this. This doesn't make sense. So I'm going to, this over here makes sense. Being logical being wise in our own eyes, leaning on our own understanding. But check this out. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Leaning on his understanding, not on our own, not trusting in my own wisdom, not being wise in my own eyes, fearing the Lord and depart from evil, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I believe that's talking about worrying, stress, Stress about money. Stress, stress, stress about money wears us out. It destroys our health. 
But check this out. Here's the other part. Number nine, or verse nine, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't trust in your own wisdom. But here's what I'm wanting you to do. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And then here's what will happen. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Saying trust in him, his way of doing things, not leaning on our own understanding, not being wise in our own eyes. It'll be, so in other words, we can live at peace, supernatural peace, instead of worry and stress. And he says, here's how you do this practically. Here's how you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's how you trust in the Lord. By honoring him with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Invitation to honor him with my stuff, with my resources, my wealth. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. You'll be supernaturally blessed. Are you seeing that? And it's interesting, he says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. First fruits. Now, of course, they're talking, you know, um, you know cattle, livestock, uh, um, produce, those kinds of things. So that's how they traded. That was their, their resources. That was their currency to a great extent. And so we can translate that to money. Would you agree with that? You translate that to money. But right here it says, with the first fruits of all your increase. First fruits, I believe that's talking about the first fruits. The fruits you get first. In other words, if you have a garden, if you have all this, this wheat and everything, the first part of your crop, give that to God. Say, well, how much of that first part? 80% of that? Tithe, 10%. A tenth. You get 100 bushels of, of wheat, 10 of those bushels, you give to the Lord. A tie, 10%. Very simple. Very simple mathematically. Now, it doesn't say a tithe right here, but I believe it's implied. Now, that's just my opinion. I believe it's implied. And here's, see, that's the invitation, but here's the promise from him. The God of miracles that we just sing about, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And remember the other verse in New Testament says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. He's saying, honor him, put him first, he'll take care of you. Honor the Lord with, their, with your possessions and your first fruits and you'll have plenty overflowing. Are you seeing this so far? He's inviting us into a supernatural lifestyle to experience financial miracles and increase. I'm going to say that again. He is inviting us into a supernatural lifestyle to experience financial miracles and increase. But it requires us to trust him and not lean on our own understanding and, do not, and not to be wise in our own eyes. I so much appreciate that testimony that Kalen shared a little bit ago about the, the sneakers. See, that's just crazy awesome stuff. 
Some people think, well, girl, you wanted some sneakers? Go out and get you some shoes. That's what I'm saying. Well, maybe it doesn't fit in the budget. Because maybe they have a plan, a financial plan, and this converse didn't happen to fit in that budget. Because they're taking care of other needs. This was a need, but it was a desire. And she knows somebody, Jesus, who says, delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. She also knows someone who says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you ask whatever you desire, and I will give that to you. She happens to know that person. And she says, Daddy, I'd, I'd like some converse. And you know what he didn't say to her? Are you kidding me? You know how many kids are starving in Africa? You know how many people are going without, and you have the audacity to ask me for some converse? Girl, you better repent. That's not what he said. I can't even imagine what was going through his mind when that request came up to him. And he said, Holy Spirit, watch this. Watch this. And then he touches the daughter's heart. Here's what I want you to do. A daughter who has aligned herself with her daddy happens to know the same one that Kayla knows. Who positions herself, and I don't even know who that is, by the way, but obviously has positioned herself to partner with him. And he says, I want you to do this. And she says, okay. Not having a clue how significant this this is. And she blessed her with that request. See, that's crazy kind of stuff. But that's the kind of stuff our daddy wants to do. And some say, man, I never get to see miracles. I never see stuff like that. See, one thing I know about Kaylin and her husband is that they are kingdom people. The kingdom is first. And they have aligned themselves with his principles concerning finances. I do know that. So if you're a person that says, man, I want to see more miracles. I want to see stuff like that happen. You know what? He's saying, let's go. He's holding out his hand to you and saying, follow me. Do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, trust me. Do not be wise in your own eyes. You saw where that leads you. Stress, worry, anxiety, health problems, because the stress has worn you out. Honor me with your possessions. You know, if we don't honor God with our possessions, then we'll honor our possessions. If we don't honor the Lord with our possessions, then we will honor our possessions. I never thought that before until just now. You cannot serve both God and mammon. So he's inviting us into a supernatural lifestyle to experience financial miracles and increase. Why? Because he wants his kingdom advanced through you and me. 
And it does take resources. It takes money to do that. How? So it requires us to trust him, not to be wise in our own eyes, and how we honor him, honor the Lord with our, our possessions, our first fruits, and then we watch what he does. I'm read Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. Now, here's where we, we get a fear in right here, because most of us know what this, verse talk, this passage talks about. Should people cheat God? In another translation, it says rob God. <coughs> I believe that's the King James Version. Should people cheat or rob God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall far from the vine before they are ripe. Excuse me, your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of, of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Malachi 3, 8 through 12. Now, many of us, if you've been in church for more than a week, then you're probably familiar with these verses. When it comes to tithing, tithes and offerings, this is one of the main passages that we use or that you've heard. And I want, to say, I want to say a few things about this. I've been thinking about this quite a bit, been praying, asking the Lord. And I've become more excited now than I was not too long ago. I'm more excited about giving now than I've ever been. More excited. Right here in this passage, the Lord is not talking to Christians. He's talking to the Israelites. He's talking about a system in the law that he established with them, and they were not obeying that law. Also along with that law was blood and or animal sacrifices that we all know about, right? Are we, to, are we still killing goats? Now we're killing rabbits. Sorry, that was bad. Anyway. <laughs> And they're not baby rabbits either, Heather. They're teenage rabbits. No, I'm just kidding. But we know the, the sacrificial system that, that God set up with Israel, right? That they had to do all these, follow all these rules and bring goats and, and cows and all that kind of stuff. And it, they were, it was required of them. This tithing system was also required of them. They were not obeying God. They were being disobedient. They were, they were, they were abusing the, the thing, and they, they were being very disobedient. And as a result of that, he said, you are under a curse, for the whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food for my temple. For us to, as Christians, say that we are still under this law right here, I don't believe it does scriptures justice. 
because I do not believe we are under the law that this is talking about right here. However, however, I believe this invitation, there's an invitation there that has been extended to us as Christians. See, we're not under a curse because Jesus became the curse for us when he hung on the cross. So we're redeemed from the curse. And the tricky part is, is we, you know, people say, well, Jesus fulfilled the law, so I don't have to obey the law. That's right. Go out and kill people. Yeah, you can do that. It's okay for you to lie and steal and cheat because you're under Jesus. You don't have to keep the law. We know that's not right, right? That doesn't even make sense. So we know that there's, you know, the Ten, the ten Commandments, for example. Because I'm a Christian and I'm under grace and not under law, do I not obey the Ten Commandments? That doesn't make any sense. And so what about this tithing, this giving thing? I believe, well, first of all, let's finish reading that passage that he he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. He was saying, in other words, repent and do what I've commanded you to do. As far as giving it to my storehouse, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be plenty of food in my temple. Now, it's interesting because God says you're robbing him But yet he's telling the people to bring all the food into the storehouse and God's not going to eat any of it. I mean, that that food and those cows and and the grain, all that, that was not for God, but yet he said, you're robbing me. It was his way, it was his system that he established to take care of the priests and the ministers in the temple, right? But he takes it personally. He says, you're not... You're robbing me because you're not bringing this so that there's, no, there's not enough food to take care of the ministers. But he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of hosts, I will bless you with wonderful miracles. Plain and simple, that's what it says. He will bless them to where their vats will overflow. They won't even be able to contain it. And he will protect, supernaturally protect their their, um, harvest from animals. I mean, from animals, from bugs. Supernatural protection. So there's an invitation here. See, a lot of times we focus on what we have to do. And they had to do that. That was required of them. It's the law. You have to do this. But he says, however, you obey me, then watch what I do. And I believe we're under a new system. It's called grace, but the grace enables us to do the things that God wants us to do. He gives us supernatural power to do it, and then we get the same benefits of supernatural blessing. So I don't believe that we're under the law of tithing, but I believe we're invited because I believe he made, he set up a system in the Old Testament, and I believe it was a pattern and an example for the New Testament church. Giving. Taking care of the ministers. <clears throat> Look at this verse in uh, 1 Corinthians. Hold on. Yeah, verse, 1 Corinthians 9, 13 and 14. It says, don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way the Lord ordered or ordained 
that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Galatians 6.6, 6, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. 1 Timothy 5.17, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. In another place, those who work deserve their pay. So just like in the Old Testament, the system was set up to take care of the temple priest and the Levites and all of them. Same way in the New Testament. Different kind of system, but similar. So we're not under law. In other words, if you don't tithe, if you don't give offerings, that doesn't nullify you from going to heaven. It's not a salvation issue. However, you do nullify and you disclude, or is that a word, disclude? Is disclude a word? If it's not, I just made it up, okay? What did you say? Exclude. I like disclude better. That sounds cooler. Disclude. Okay. You exclude yourself from the promises that he offers us. Remember, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, right? Remember that? Aren't there conditions there? He says, if and if, then. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. So there is conditions. He's saying, come, and also just think about this. He says, if you draw close to me, then he'll do what? Draw close to you. We walk by faith, not by sight. He is inviting us into an area of faith. It's all about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. So this whole giving thing, it's a faith thing. It's an invitation from him to you and I to trust him and watch what he does. Practically speaking, so I believe God's system is very practical. I believe our modern storehouse is the local church. Let me get practical for a second. I believe there are modern storehouses, the local church, and the purpose of the tithe is to take care of the cost of the storehouse or church and the temple priests or Levites or the ministering staff. From the verses that we read earlier, don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? Those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord has ordained that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Okay, so you had a system in the Old Testament, setting a precedent and a model, I believe, and a pattern for the New Testament. And I believe tithes and offerings, practically how that breaks down, I'll talk a little more, try to explain more, but how I believe it practically breaks down is tithing is not the law that we're required to. Tithing is the beginning. Uh-oh, you had to go and say that. Tithing is the beginning, I believe. It's the entry point. 
of where he's wanting us to go. In the Old Testament, that was required. That's what they were. They tithe. I'm good. The New Testament, I believe it's the beginning point. Because we have supernatural grace available to us to give exceedingly abundantly, just like our Father does. You know, some of the Christians in the New Testament, they sold their property and came and gave all. They didn't just give 10%. They gave all. But we need something practical to help take care of practical needs. And that's where I believe tithes and offerings comes in place. For example, this church, let's be hypothetical. This church has a staff, has electricity, has, you know, practical needs that we would all be aware of. If there's a system set up, it's called a tithe, which is a percentage. And tithe means 10, so it's 10%. So if you have $10, you tithe a dollar. $100, you tithe $10. Just like that. I can see practically how the tithe would help take care of the needs, the basic needs of this house, as well as offerings going beyond. You see, some people say, well, I give as I feel led. Say, okay. And that's how you, when when we all feel led, because us feeling led isn't a real pure system. Now, we're learning and growing and learning how to follow Holy Spirit, right? But we don't do it perfectly. You know, like I may get a word for, let's say I get a word for Joe, and I say, Joe, and I said, I feel like God's showing me this. And I tell him some things that, you know, you were raised as an orphan. You didn't have a mom and dad. And you were an orphan since you were eight. Does that make any sense? I'm like, no. Oops. I miss it. I say, oh, man, I miss that. Well, I go over here to Gabe and I share something with him. And he's like, wow, that was right. Praise God. When we flow through the gifts following Holy Spirit, we don't necessarily get it right all the time. I mean, you hear what I'm saying? So what happens when we, when we say, okay, I'm going to give as I'm led, and we, we set our whole giving system based on how I feel led, and if I'm going to miss it, if I'm not accurate all the time with walking in the Spirit with the gifts of the Spirit, then I'm probably not going to be accurate all the time when it comes to giving money. Especially because, in a sense, money has a, a big hold on my soul. And so my feeling led to give could be very conditional according to the amount of money I have in my pocket or my view of money or my lack of money or my greed for money. I mean, you see what I'm getting at? And so we as Christians, if we say, well, I'm going to give as I feel led, then that can be very suspect. And then I believe the needs that the father is wanting to meet through his kids, for the most part, go unmet because I didn't feel led to give. And so that's why I believe he set up the system called tithes and offerings. He says, you know, the tithe, and I mean, getting back to it's the entry point. Okay, I'm committed to this body right here. And just like in the Old Testament, they gave tithes to take care of the the priest in in the temple. So then I tithe here to take care of the needs here. And then the offerings, because remember, okay, that's just like, just bare minimum. 
But that's not where I begin and end. That's where I begin, but he's inviting me to do more. Am I making sense so far? I've never shared this before. So you're the very first. You know, it's, it's all up here and it's all messing around here, and so I'm trying to, trying to get it out, hopefully effectively. Giving a tenth or tithing is making a specific or minimum commitment to help cover specific needs. Tithing is only the beginning or entry level of kingdom giving, not the end point. So I believe that purpose of the tithe, now again, I want to make this clear. I do not believe it's a law that has anything to do with your salvation, okay? I want to make that clear. But I believe it's something as Christians that the Lord is inviting us to do and participate in. And just like any other area of obedience, and I believe it has to do with obedience, and just like any other thing, if we do not obey, God's not going to kick us out, but we, will, we can suffer the consequences of, of us doing things in our own wisdom. For example, let's take marriage, relationship with our spouse. There are certain principles, there are certain things in the Bible that says to to treat your spouse this way. I don't treat my spouse according to the word. I may still go to heaven. I will still go to heaven if I've committed my life to Jesus. But I can probably expect to live hell on earth if I'm not treating my spouse right. I can be a Christian on my way to heaven and have a horrible marriage because I'm not living according to the principles and the commands and the word that the Lord has spelled out in his word. So, you know, someone can say, well, you're being legalistic. Well, being legalistic about, okay, love your wife. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, honor your, and respect your husbands. Well, you're being legalistic. Really? You know, a lot of times we like to throw that word legalism around when it's something we don't want to do. And if someone is challenging or, or trying to make you do something in your own effort and striving, that can be legalism. But honoring and obeying God's word isn't legalism unless you're trying to do it in your own effort. Or if you're trying to do it to earn something from God, to earn favor with God, to make him like you or try to earn something, then that can be a legalistic system. But being challenged to love my wife as Christ loved the church, that's just smart. And if I do that, then guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get the benefits of that relationship that God has built into the system. If I neglect her, I may not necessarily get cursed. I'm not going to get cursed by God, but there's going to be consequences that will come with that. If I neglect her and ignore her and treat her unkindly, then the relationship's going to, at best, drift and not be a fulfilling relationship. So we can carry that same thing over to finances. I can honor, I can walk in, I can obey, I can appropriate God's word concerning finances 
and then I will receive the benefits and the blessings that he promises. Second Corinthians 8, I'm trying to read this passage. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that God in his kindness has done, see what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. Check this out. This is pretty interesting. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Everybody say poor. Then say rich generosity. It's an oxymoron, isn't it? Poor, rich generosity. That makes sense. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we... So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in, many, in so many ways in your faith, your gift of speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to, to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't. So here's a situation where people were very poor, but they were chomping at the bits to give what they could to this other situation. There was a grace in them because they were believers. They were born again, and there was a grace given them, and they wanted to walk in that grace. And they wanted to give, and Paul was blown away. They were poor, 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 poor. Do not lean on your own understanding. And then at the end of it, the last passage says, give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. You know, as we read about tithing and I've researched and read on the, and you know, all that kind of stuff and and people are concerned about this thing about tithing and encouraging tithing in the church. And they say, well, what about the poor? You can't expect the poor to give and tithe and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, it's interesting because I was concerned with that. Then I feel like the Lord changed my perspective. See, our focus is we're trying to make people give. And unfortunately, there has been so many abuses in the church where we're we become extorters. We're trying to extort all the money we can from you. And so we get very sensitive and touchy about the area of giving. And so it's like, 
well, we're not going to least tax the poor. I mean, we can't expect the poor people to tithe, to give. I see it as if we're saying, okay, only tithe and give if you're wealthy or you're well-to-do, but if you're poor, we don't, wanna, we don't want to uh, put that burden on you. God's not putting a burden on anyone. It's an invitation. So if I were to tell you as a poor person, okay, I, I, you shouldn't tithe because you're poor, then I believe now that I am robbing them of the opportunity that God's wanting to invite them into for them to experience miracles as well. It's like, seriously, we're going to not allow them to do that? Because, see, it's not, about the, it's not about I have to give. It's like I get to participate. And here's this thing that caught my attention. Give in, to, give in proportion to what you have. Proportion. You know, if I'm saying, okay, I need everybody to give $1,000 because we have this need, or I need this, so everybody give $1,000. And then a person who $1,000 may not mean much, sure, I can give you $1,000. And a person who that's their whole month's income, if I'm expecting them to give $1,000 too, now that's a burden. But it's like God's system says 10%. If, only, if this person has $100 and this person has $1,000, $10 and $100. They're giving different amounts, $10 versus $100, but in God's eyes, it's the very same. A portion. What? Oh, good. <laughs> I mean, you see what I'm getting at? I believe God's system is so wonderful and it's so amazing. It's even more than we can comprehend or even imagine or realize. But the reason why we're not seeing it is because we're stuck. It's like we try to see how little can I give and be okay with God. Where I believe God's wanting to challenge us to where it's, man, how much am I allowed to give away? And God says, well, don't give it all away because I want you to feed your kids. I mean, I'm hearing stories of, and I know people who, like I read one story last night of a guy, they give, him and his wife give 80% of their income away, and they're just fired up about it. They are ecstatic about it. Now, maybe their 20% is even more than we have. But the, in, the proportion, 80%, people are, because they're allowing the grace of God to come on them and work in them and, be, and begin to work through them. And see, that's what I'm starting to experience more and more because I'm getting more excited about giving. More excited about giving. And I want to invite and challenge you to allow the Holy Spirit to change your perspective. Maybe you've been in churches before where they took up offerings every five minutes. Or they took up several offerings. Or whatever the case. There were some abuses or, or excesses or whatever. But just because that truth has been abused, don't throw it out with, you know, the baby with the bathwater. Don't throw it out because you will be missing out on what your daddy is inviting you into. I'm going to close with this. You know, a few a couple weeks ago when I shared <coughs> how I was, uh, found myself in situations where I was short on money, 
like when we had our first son, and then I found out that we were $60 short. You guys remember me sharing that? And I was praying and thinking, well, I'm, I need to go get a job, work, you know, moonlight, to get a job and everything. And the Lord said, no, that's not what I called you to do. That's what I want you to do. Just trust me, whatever. During that time, I was $60 a month short of meeting my budget. I was tithing during that time. And my tithe was more than $60 a month. Tell me how much sense that makes. In other words, the logical person would have looked at me and said, are you kidding? You need $60 a month. Your tithe is more than $60 a month. You're short. It's like, dude, come on, seriously? And then the, the end of the story, those of you might not have heard, later that week, I got an increase. I got a raise, $60 a month. Now, what would have happened if I would have said, oh, you know what, Lord, I'm, sh- I'm short, $60 a month, so I'm going to, I know you want to, I mean, I know you won't mind, you'll understand, because you want me to feed my kids, so I'm going to take a little bit of this tithe and put it over here, and then we're good. We're good. Would I have still gone to heaven if I did that? Maybe my kids would have gone sooner. No, just kidding. Bad joke. You didn't, you'll, you'll catch it later. But here's what I would have missed out on. See, the Lord is inviting me to experience his miraculous provision. So I get to see how real he is. And because I put him first in his kingdom, because to me it was like a done deal. I give my first fruits. Lord, this is yours. Okay, now I find myself short. I don't know what to do. He said, trust me. I got a $60 raise. Year and a half later, this other kid comes out named Bryant. Find myself $100 a month short. I was still tithing. And then I received a $100 a month raise. And I've seen that happen over and over and over and over and over again. And I know there are many of you that can share testimonies of how you've, you've just done it God's way. You've trusted him and he's miraculously provided for you. When we buy into his system, his plan, we get his benefits. And it's crazy. It's amazing. It's faith building. It's supernatural. And it's inspiring. And see, God is looking for people that he can entrust more wealth to because he wants to establish his kingdom through his kids. But if I'm over here and I'm stuck on my money and it's like I cannot give my money away because I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so, God, i got to hold on to this. And he's like, son, if you only understood what I want to do in you and through you, I have so much more I want to bless you with, but I'm stuck on my $60. He wants to do crazy stuff. I mean crazy Crazy stuff. But we have to trust him. We just have to let go. Now I want to share this disclaimer, and I'm going to close with this. If you don't have a financial plan and your finances are in a mess because you're just blowing money, spending it here and everything, tithing is not going to fix that. 
In other words, if you think, oh, I can do whatever I want with my money and tithe, and God's going to fix my stuff, fix my money, you're in for a rude awakening. We have to be good stewards, good managers of our money. Giving is part of that plan. But we have to have a part, we have to have a plan with the rest of the money. Amen? Would you stand with me? So I just want to make clear, I don't believe we are under the law of tithing like in the Old Testament. But I believe we have been invited into that principle. And tithing and offering is just the beginning point. Now, don't let that discourage you because if you haven't been tithing and you're like, you know what, I, I want to move in that direction, all of a sudden jumping to 10% might do a lot of damage. But I want to encourage you to point yourself in that direction. Say, God, I'm coming towards you. I'm coming after you. Show me how to move in this direction. Because of your love and your relationship with him. Not out of, I better do this or God's going to get me. That's not it at all. So, Father, we just, again, say thank you. That you're so amazing. You're so awesome. Lord, thank you for those converse that you blessed our sister with. That is so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, that's just showing us what you want to do with all your kids in special ways. And I just pray that we take off the safety belts, we take off the logic, we take whatever. We need to remove, we need to, and just turn to you, Father, and say, Lord, I want to do it your way. And I thank you for releasing your grace on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You guys have an amazing week. And I will see you Wednesday and Thursday. Yes. See you guys later.